Greetings and welcome into College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski and Brentley Romine with you. And for the second consecutive podcast, we're going to simulate how the best minds who cover college golf saw it playing out at the Men's NCAA Championships. This podcast being released on what was supposed to be the championship match at Greyhawk in Arizona for the Division I men. But by now, we know the rest of the season was canceled in March due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We did it with the women. We had a lot of fun. We'll do the same here this week. And we say the word fun, Brentley. This is for some entertainment, some good discussion, the brains behind uh, those that cover college golf on a regular basis, and by no means a slight to any of the teams, how we see things, or let's call it our supercomputer playing out. But uh, I think for those that maybe listen to the women, they, they got a better understanding of what we're going to do over the next 30 minutes, Brentley. Yeah, I, I think you're giving us too much credit to call us a supercomputer. But uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a column last fall about how this year's men's college golf season, there was probably more parity than any season that I remember in the last 10 years or so. And so it was really like I was really looking forward to seeing these teams battle it out at Greyhawk. And I guess this will have to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, such a you know, such a disappointment that we couldn't actually see it play out on the golf course. Yeah, you speak of the, the parity and the dominance the previous two seasons from Oklahoma State and what the Cowboys were able to do. I think we were all anxiously awaiting to making uh, the trip to Arizona. But again, our collective group of experts ended up determining the individual champ, the eight teams making it to match play, then breaking it out into the quarterfinals, semifinals, and championship match. Part of our supercomputer and our brainstorming team, Will uh, Knights, the community manager from the Friday.com, and Lance Ringler, writer from Golf Week. We appreciate you guys joining us. Let's start individually. What would have happened on Monday? The eight teams would have moved on to match play, but also an individual champ would have been crowned. I'll throw the numbers out there. Sahith Thagala, the fifth-year senior, senior, that is, from Pepperdine, winner of the Fred Haskins Award presented by Steeple. The computer had him with a five-shot win over Ricky Castillo. Then John Augenstein was third. Will, why don't you get us going? How much do you agree with what the numbers crunched out in Sahith ending his college career in style? I mean, it's really tough to argue with, right? I mean, after we, what we saw this spring, uh, his dominance, especially uh, with that performance, and he closed it out with uh, the uh, final putt wearing the Kobe jersey, it kind of felt right to have him go out as the champion. Uh, five shots is certainly dominant, but after we, what we saw from Wolf last year, very possible to see another person uh, go out in style like that. Brentley, were you on board with the Gala or maybe another name you had ultimately winning it all? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. He, he, he was clearly my player of the year. I, I know a lot of people were expecting it to be pretty close, and I've, I've heard some people – you know, who thought maybe John Langenstein should have won or Davis Thompson should have won. But the Gala just had a truly incredible year for the number of tournaments that he was able to play. But I, I really like, as I said with the women, home course advantage really playing, you know, more of a role in stroke play rather than match play. So I liked Kevin Yu, but also keep an eye on, well, I guess it's over now, but we should have kept an eye on William Mao, uh, Thigala's freshman teammate, who actually won last May at Greyhawk in the AJGA Thunderbird. 
and the conditions were really, really tough. I think he won either one over or one under um, in some pretty uh, brutal scoring conditions. So he's, he's another guy that I would have had a little bit higher than 10th. Yeah, hard to argue with the gala. I actually threw it. John Paxway from Florida State was starting the trend in the right direction. Very easy to pick the chalk and the favorite, but ultimately the numbers crunched. They popped out of the computer. The gala won. So that is our simulation. Again, I want to reiterate a simulated NCAA Division I men's golf championships. The eight teams that moved on to match play in order. Pepperdine, Arizona State, Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Texas Tech, and Vanderbilt. And as I welcome in Lance Ringler, those are the eight teams moving on. But Lance, was there a team maybe on the outside looking in that you thought maybe deserved a better outcome uh, in our simulated uh, national championships? Yeah, I mean, I thought Texas A&M uh, would have been a team that would have been in the mix. I actually thought they would have. They, they would have played really well um, at Greyhawk. And, and the thing about playing there for the national championship this year, I really thought we would see – we wouldn't see much chalk. Um, I thought the, the golf course itself was going to be probably – I don't want to use the word easy because I'm sure it wasn't going to be easy, but what was probably going to be not as difficult as what we've seen the past 10 years. You know, you go all the way back to Inverness, Concession, obviously Karsten Creek. Um, Pinnacle, all, all those different places, Riviera. I, I think we would have saw, seen probably the easiest course to date since we started the match play. And with that would have come a whole lot of teams having a better chance of getting into the top eight. So I thought we would have seen a lot less chalk uh, than what we would have seen uh, than what we've seen in the past. And even in the past, we've seen a lot of teams break break through and, and get into, the top, into that top eight. But I thought there would have been maybe like Brentley said, some west coast advantage uh of playing in the desert some teams that uh you would not have thought would have made the top eight that would have yeah as we did this with the women and i think we're all in agreement, guys with the men it's so easy to pick the chalk and we know some team some player would have had a, a wonderful week it, it just simply would have been you know i take a look at my vaunted florida gators with axelson and uh, axelson and uh, Castillo, would they have been enough to provide J.C. Deacon's team, uh, you know, a boost in the match play, yet they're an SEC team going out to the desert, Brentley? We've seen that that doesn't always necessarily translate. Yeah, which is why I liked a team maybe like Washington, who plays a lot of those Pac-12 venues, um, or even way down at 29th in our simulation, USC, who won Southern Highlands right before the season was suspended, you know, the USC was probably not a team that we expected to be even at NCAAs at the start of the year. But with Yushin Lin playing some incredible golf as a freshman and the way they played on a, on a course that is really tough, probably tougher than, than Greyhawk is go, or was going to be, but a very similar style of golf. Um, I thought that that would have translated well for, uh, uh, for the Trojans. Well, who got a raw deal? Not to say a raw deal, but, you know, in match play and stroke play at the NCAA championship, like anything can happen. So a couple of teams that I thought could have made it, definitely Georgia. I mean, led by Davis Thompson there, that squad was fairly deep this year, thought they could have made a good run at it. And one deep underdog I was kind of looking at was uh, Colorado State. Um, 
they'd gotten kind of close in the past couple of years to making it to the NCAAs. And I think uh, their group of locals could have actually made a run. I know they'd had a pretty strong year together, but it would have been cool to see them sneak into a seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, and maybe Notre Dame, if you really want to take a flyer, one of our earlier podcasts, uh, late fall, early spring, Brentley, the season they were putting together might not have continued, might not have translated with all those wins, but for a program that won more events in the fall in the history of any Irish team for an entire season, uh, that's what we're missing out on. But those are the eight teams we have moving on, so we're going to whip right through it, get to the quarterfinals, and uh, I'll take the first one, number eight, Pepper, uh, excuse me, number one, Pepperdine going up against number eight, Vanderbilt. Uh, Pepperdine was number one with the final coaches poll for a reason. They're very talented. They're very good. Vanderbilt, other than Augustine, maybe a surprise for me that they would have made it to match play. I think that was one of those fringe half dozen teams, but uh, you know, beyond John were Augustine were some of these younger guys, maybe unproven guys while talented, would they have stepped up? So at least for me in the quarterfinals, Pepperdine pretty comfortably would move on to the semis. That's my two cents on it. How about uh, Brentley with you? Number two, Arizona State playing at home, going up against number seven, Texas Tech. Yeah, well, I, I think for the first time, I think I'm with you on uh, a quarterfinal match. I, I had <laughs> I had Pepperdine easily advancing too, because as you talked about, John Augenstein, just an incredible match play record. Uh, I think 19-6-1 since the spring of 2017. And then Harrison Ott and Reed Davenport, 0-2 in match play last year at NCAAs, and Davenport 0-2 at Eastlake Cup. So, anyways, you asked me about the Arizona State match. I, I really like Texas Tech. This is a team that went 5-0, and won the Big 12 match play. Uh, Andy Lopez, I believe, went 5-0 and uh, that week at Houston Oaks in the fall. Sandy Scott um was one of the standouts when I went over and watched the Walker Cup last fall he was one of the few standouts for the Great Britain and Ireland team those entire two days but it's just it Arizona State is such a deep team and though we have those five guys listed there they have arguably one or two more guys that that could have slotted in and beat just about anybody so uh I I have Arizona State winning probably 4-1 3-2 um Actually, probably 3-2 because I think Texas Tech gives them a pretty good run. Yeah, ASU was the team we did have moving on. And as we get deeper into this with the semis and the championship match, we'll get into the depth aspect. The five players that we actually had making it in the starting lineup isn't necessarily the case just because our simulation says so. Uh, not often you can go seven, eight, nine deep and not miss a beat. But there are a couple of teams that made it to match play that you can certainly say that is the case. Will, we'll go to you next. Number three, Texas against number six, Wake Forest. Is it going to be the Demon Deacons or the Longhorns moving on for you? Uh, unquestionably for me, it's Texas. Uh, I think top to bottom, they were dominant this year. Uh, you know, you look at their fall, it wasn't so great, and we'll get into their spring schedule and their results. But I mean, it's just tough to look at the Longhorns, especially coming off their runner-up finish last year and not think that they couldn't make a, another deep run this year. Yeah, well, you take a look at Wake Forest. They did make it to match play a year ago. 
at the Blessings in Arkansas. Alex Fitzpatrick, some good experience. Brentley, you alluded to uh, the Walker Cup for the GB&I team. We were both at a year ago, but from top to bottom, the Longhorns, pretty much the consensus in our simulation to move on. Uh, and that's the last quarterfinal coming your way, Lance Ringler. Number four, Oklahoma against the five seed Georgia Tech. Who did you have advancing? Well, I would have had Oklahoma. Um, I feel feel bad that this season didn't get to be completed for Bruce Hepler and his Georgia Tech team. You know, he's still in search of that national championship. And, and I think this year probably was one of those years where he probably felt his team had a chance uh, if they could get to the – to the top eight portion after 72 holes that they'd have a chance to make a run and uh and they would have because of match play but uh I, I like Oklahoma I like I've liked them all year they're they're just a, a blue collar bunch sometimes they tend to get too up and I think that might be a um uh, a disadvantage for them sometimes they seem too keyed up too jacked up to play uh but I think uh you know Oklahoma the, the experience that they have in match play the, the job that Ryan Hibbles has done there and preparing these guys I mean they only think about winning a national championship and I, I would have I, I think they would have not only played well in stroke play would would have fared very well in match play this year and won won in the quarterfinals yeah we had the Sooners in our simulation moving on and I love that uh, analogy of, of Oklahoma you get a sense of the atmosphere and climate head coach Ryan Hibble has created Norman it's just sort of roll up your sleeves and we're going to run right through you whether we got to run left run right or run right down the middle. That is somewhat the mentality the Oklahoma Sooners have shown over the last few years. And then another good point, Lance, not only is Bruce Hepler looking for a national championship in his couple of decades as a head coach at Georgia Tech, I think it's one of the most baffling stats in college golf that the Yellow Jackets have never, ever won a national team championship in men's golf. They've been a runner-up four times. You think of all the players that have come through there from Duval to Kuchar and Mulder. You can go way back 40, 50, 60 years ago. So I agree with you. I think Bruce Hepler, this was the team with Andy Ogletree, Tyler Strafacci, Luke Schneider-Jans. Those were three veteran upper-class players that you thought, if we're going to make a run, this would have been the year. But uh, the numbers in our supercomputer that I'm going to keep deferring to, so if anyone has a issue with our answers we can blame it on a big machine in the corner that comes out with it we'll nickname it kc kc the supercomputer how about that uh surprise surprise guys the chalk moves on one two three and four the four top seeds move on to the semifinals as we get a little more in depth we'll start with one versus four pepperdine against oklahoma will we'll start with you how did you see this one shaking out I mean, had this actually happened, I think this could have been potentially the matchup of the tournament. Um, looking at the depth of both teams, uh, Pepperdine, obviously, with Thagala and Mao at the top there, um, dominant duo going up against an Oklahoma squad that could beat anybody at the right time. Um, I think had this actually gone uh, – and into existence. I think it could have been a 3-2 matchup, absolutely. Maybe you get a match going to extra holes to determine something. That could have been a really fun one to watch. But in the end, we had uh, Pepperdine pulling it out by a hair over the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, the waves did move on. But uh, like you said, Will and Lance, I'll ask you, 
arguably, and I think Will hit it on the head, this could have been the one that if number one was going to slip up and it wouldn't be a huge upset, that the Sooners might have been just ready uh, for the moment. What do you think? Yeah, Steve, I, yeah, because we know number one never, never really wins unless it's Oklahoma State on the year they had last year. So, yeah, no, Pepperdine, they, they, wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have made it this far. So I would have had Oklahoma, uh, you know, winning this match. Even though I do like Pepperdine's chances better on the West Coast playing in this climate, in this environment, um, they're going to be much more comfortable there than they would have been, say, if they were on uh, in the East Coast playing this championship. But again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, Oklahoma, uh, a little bit more, um, just a little bit more gritty, a little bit better in this format, I think. Uh, Pepperdine hasn't really been here very often, if at all. And um, I, I think Oklahoma would have would have won this one. So, Brentley, I see you shaking your head. Lance is on the Sooners. Will is on Pepperdine. Please, the forum is yours. Burko, you, you know me, and you know how much I love to pick underdogs and go against kind of the, the grain of things. But I'm going with Pepperdine because, well, first off, let's, let me just give a couple facts on why I don't like Oklahoma in this spot. In the fall, they were T7th at the Big 12 match play. Not the NCAA match play, the Big 12 match play. They were seventh in their most recent start at, at Southern Highlands. Yes, they have a really, really dominant one-two punch in Garrett Reban and Quade Cummins, who rankings-wise are the best one-two punch in the country. But when you get down to the end of their lineup, and I see our supercomputer, which I'm questioning a little bit, has uh, Jake Holbrook <laughs> instead of Thomas Johnson in there. But even so, a Logan McAllister, I know he won the Nike this year, but he's unproven. Thomas Johnson, even though he's a senior, he's unproven. Jake Holbrook, he's unproven. So I just think that when you put them up against Pepperdine and someone like William Mao, who won the Cal State Amateur last summer, which is decided in match play, he was, I know they don't release this, but he was probably the runner-up for the Phil Mickelson Award, and I thought he should have won it over Ricky Castillo. Um, we mentioned his history at Greyhawk. They don't even, they don't even need the gala to, to, to win against Quaid to, to move on to the final. So, uh, I mean, just kind of running the stats a little bit, 18 top 10s this season among the five guys we have in Pepperdine's lineup in this sim. That's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty dang good. Yes, it is. Hard to argue those numbers. Uh, I join you and Will on that thought that Pepperdine would move on. Um, it's easy, I think, to fall in love with the sexy – no-name team, if you will. And again, it's not a slight on Pepperdine, but to Lance's point, they're not in this position on a yearly basis. This is something that has been created, somewhat formulated by Michael Beard. Not that you could have predicted that Sahith Thagala was going to need to redshirt because of a wrist injury. But I go back to the mid-90s when Wally Goodwin, then the coach at Stanford, went to Nota Begay went to Casey Martin, went to some other upperclassmen and said, hey, you know what? If you redshirt now, I got a kid coming in next year that might make us really, really good. Well, that kid was Tiger Woods. We sort of know how the next 25 years played out for him. But there's similarities, and I can draw parallels that you sort of create, hey, why don't you take a red shirt? Maybe we'll wait on that injury, somewhat projecting ahead. Now, granted, you go to Columbus, Ohio, 
and that team, you know, Stanford didn't quite pan out in that playoff event against Oklahoma State with Tiger. But that's a whole nother story. It is the creation and the ability to build something long term, but have it come full circle here this year. So those are a lot of intangibles and variables and off the radar compared to your stats, Brentley. But I'm on your side uh, with the waves moving on. Did uh, you just compare William Mao to Tiger Woods? Was that what that story was? <laughs> no, no. So you're, get, you're getting lost in the weeds there. Okay. I'm just saying when you true. have the ability to build something and create it. Again, the Gala, we didn't know he was going to get hurt. Hey, why don't you take a, you know, a year off? Hey, I've talked to Michael Beard, the head coach of Pepperdine. He is as high on William Mao as he is the Gala. And William's just a freshman. So. Yeah. I'm just saying certain times pieces come together in a particular year or season to win it all. It didn't happen for the Cardinal 25 years ago uh, in Columbus, but Wally Goodwin had the foresight. And I think Michael Beard was doing something similar with this year in mind. Also very cool story real quick, just along those lines. So when William Mao made a run at the 2018 U.S. Amateur at Pebble, uh, Sahith in uh, Michael Beard were, were following him. And uh, I, I went up to Saif and, and this was right around when his, his wrist was starting to bother him. And uh, he was talking about how he might have to redshirt. And, you know, I'm like, you know, sorry about that. You know, it stinks. And he's like, yeah, but, and then he looked at William Mao as he's, you know, <laughs> pounding this guy, you know, into the earth. And uh, he's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to get to play with, you know, play with this guy. And he's, he's really good. So I just thought that was a cool story. That's kind of r- relatable to uh, what we're talking about. You see, you're adding a little bit of credibility to my theory that you can sometimes create, sit out, get a couple more players in and change the dynamic. That's our long-winded semifinal victory for Pepperdine. Lance, I'll go back to you for the other semifinal. Well, I want to add, can I, can, I add can I add to no, that please, one real quick? Please do, by all means. <laughs> That's exactly why they wouldn't have won, because they created way too much pressure. And we all know we've been there, Burko, Brentley. We've seen this. You throw the stats completely, take the sheets of paper, throw them right out the window, because when they get the match play, that's what we see. These underdog teams almost always win. And, you know, Brentley's correct. I mean, on paper, no one was better than Pepperdine. And I think that, um, you know, Oklahoma, just you throw it all out the window. In Oklahoma, in an underdog role, I'll take that all day long legitimate i can buy into that that may be too much pressure there for pepperdine but uh we would have loved to see that one certainly uh happen at greyhawk lance we'll keep it with you the other semi-final matchup number two arizona state playing at home yeah. against the three seed texas longhorns this if this happened this would be really really tough because texas uh, i mean we i know i have over the years i always tend to pick against them uh a lot and and they often prove me wrong. Uh, this year's team, I think, would have been poised again to make another really strong run. Uh, but, man, playing at Greyhawk and in that home course advantage, I think we would have really seen that come into play. And I just feel like there would have been a lot of teams, you know, from the West Coast, Washington, as Brentley mentioned earlier, and then obviously Colorado State was another great dark horse team here at uh, Greyhawk. I just feel like Arizona State would have been really, really difficult to beat. Uh, not only for for the home for the knowing the lay of the land but we all know what kind of atmosphere this was creating in the phoenix area i think we would have saw some galleries 
that were really in favor of the Sun Devils um, with the Thunderbird Club out there putting on the tournament and doing things. I think we would have seen maybe something like we saw in Oregon with the Ducks fans. And I think that that would have really played uh, in the hands of Arizona State. And I think Arizona State would have been a really hard team to beat uh, at Greyhawk. You read my mind there. I was thinking of the cook that came out on top of the clubhouse at Eugene Country Club, out the window, looking down uh, as Solman Raz and Taylor Funk teed off uh, on whatever extra hole it was off the first tee. That is one of the coolest images I've ever seen. And then we know what happened uh, two years ago, Karsten Creek, Stillwater, all the fans that were out there. So I lean towards you, Lance, that there's something about the home course advantage the deeper you get into it. Uh, and I'll circle back to something Casey Martin, the Oregon head coach, told me when the Ducks were uh, national champs four years ago. I said, you got an advantage. He said, absolutely we do. But we also have additional pressure. People on the outside expect us to win because we are at home. So there is that balance of the opportunity and advantage, yet the pressure that goes along with it uh, still would have been a heck of a semifinal uh, battle. Will, where did you stand on ASU in Texas? Uh, honestly, very similar to Lance there. I thought it would have been a very tough out for ASU. Um, I think I would have still leaned Texas given their top to bottom depth, but you got to go for the team that's been there before. And Texas, they returned four of their five that went to the finals last year at the NCAAs. Um, when even with, against the ASU home field advantage, you, I would have taken the Longhorns. Brentley, stir up the pot. You're way too quiet for us. I'm, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, build some uh, momentum so that I can take down Lance uh, in the final with, with this prediction. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, Lance, but, I mean, you're, you're talking about the, the home fans that would show up and you know, all, all, the, all the support. Where you're, you're also forgetting that the mascots probably would have showed up as well. And, and, and as you know, that is a recipe for disaster. So I, I have Texas. I, I have Texas because by this point in the competition, they will have played this course six times. And you're also talking about these players who played Greyhawk in their junior golf days as well. It, it's not going to be. I mean, they're they're going to know every. They're not they're not going to know as you know every nook and cranny like ASU does, but they're going to know it enough to win. And when you put Cole Hammer in that leadoff match, I don't think that's where John Fields or Cole would probably like to go. But for the purposes of our simulation, you put him in the leadoff match. And even though he didn't have the type of year that we expected him to have, everyone knows that Cole Hammer comes alive in match play. We saw it last year against Matt Wolf. I know we talk about that, but he wanted the Western Amateur back in 2018 when the U.S. Amateur four ball semifinals of the U.S. Amateur that year. The kid knows how to play match play. And even though Cameron Sisk was a quarterfinals at the British Am in the Cal State Am last summer in consecutive weeks, probably would have won the Cal State Am if he wasn't so tired. Um, I think Cole Hammer gets that first match. Travis Vick probably drives the golf ball, even though he's a freshman, drives the golf ball better than anybody in the college game right now. And that includes John Pack. Um, probably not as straight as Pack, but definitely a lot longer. Um, I think Spencer Seussman, even though as a junior, he was afraid to look at his opponents in match play, put the ball into the hole, he would turn around. Um, I think that the Seuss gets loose and he wins that. <laughs> and I think 
I think one of the Cootie brothers win. I, I could see four or one here. And and I know I know ASU is not gonna like that. I know Matt Thurman's probably not gonna like that, but Texas is a sleeping giant. And I think they they would have woken up. I know they were already starting to, but I think they would have been fully woken up by the time that they got to Greyhawk and and they would have just dominated. Well, sort of a split decision uh, amongst us four, but in the end, our simulation did have, drum roll, wait for it, the Texas Longhorns moving on, taking down ASU. So Pepperdine and Texas, again, in our simulation of the 2020 NCAA Men's National Championships would move on to the championship match. And speaking of Pepperdine, a little aside here, you can be sure to check out Golf on Campus presented by Golf Pride. It's a new five-part series hosted by Amanda Blumenhurst, a three-time college player of the year during her days at Duke, featuring some of the top men's and women's program in collegiate golf. It's available on Golf Channel's YouTube page. The Pepperdine episode comes out today, June 3rd. All of those in the archive. So take a look if you're craving a little college golf at this time of the year. Certainly a great watch and thrilled to be a part of it. All right, we're down to two. Number one, Pepperdine. Number three, Texas. Brentley, I'm going to start with our guest. Will, give me everything you got. Throw all your arrows out of that quiver. Pepperdine, Texas, who did you have among this matchup battling for the national championship and ultimately leaving with the trophy? So I think we can throw all the arrows out the quiver, but Brentley made a really good point earlier with the mascots. I mean, by this point, Bevo would have been in Arizona for a long time. The weather's not a factor coming from Texas to Arizona. You got to go with the Longhorns favorite there. Um, on the golf course, I think uh, we. I also would have leaned Texas. Um, very close match. I think it could have been 3-2. Um, as Lance had been talking about earlier, number one always seems to fall at the NCAAs. Um, unless you go on a dominant run like Oklahoma State. So I think there had to be a point where our supercomputer uh, slash us came to a decision where there's got to be a team that is able to take down Pepperdine. And I think that's Texas, led by Cole Hammer, as Brentley said. If you put him out first, he can kind of set the table for him, and the entire lineup is liable to go on and win every match that they're in. So Will Knight goes with Texas. Will Knight, what about you, Lance? Texas Pepperdine, who's going to do it? <laughs> I, I'd say if we're, if we're talking mascots, it's got to be Texas because I've never even – have you seen a Pepperdine mascot? Is there a guy in a wave suit? Running? I, I, no, it's the, it's, it's the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> well, that's, Yeah, well, in that case, that might, it's a pretty strong mascot if it's the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> but, no, I mean – you know, once again, you know, I, I wouldn't have picked Texas to beat Arizona State, but I definitely would have picked Texas to beat uh, Pepperdine in a, in a championship match for all the reasons all you guys have said. Brentley went down the lineup very well with Texas. Um, been there, done that thing uh, with what they've done in the past. Um, I don't think there's any reason that if Texas got this far, they would certainly be a favorite against almost every team in the field. And, uh, yeah, but once again – we all know match play, anything can happen. You can almost, you know, flip a coin to get as good a result as our supercomputer probably did. But, uh, yeah, the Texas, Texas would win. So we've got two Texas Longhorns there. I go back to a year ago. They won one tournament the entire season. That was the regional in Austin, made it to the championship match. A similar type of season, maybe in the fall, into the spring, they were starting the trend and 
and come together when you talk about Texas. Cole Hammer is ultra talented, super kid, great match play player. All that said in the simulation, he might be my biggest question mark on that team. How about that, Brentley? Wow. From I the mean, standpoint of what yeah. we have seen from him, and we, you and I were at the Walker Cup. It was not his best stuff. There has been a trend, and as John Fields, the head coach, said, he's playing well, he's coming together. But when you're a former top-ranked amateur in the world, I, I want to see you up for the Haskins Award. I want to see you up for all the Player of the Year awards. I'd have to double-check. I do not believe Cole Hammer was an All-American this past season. No. That's first team, second team, third team, honorable player. mention. So that's basically saying you're not one of the 50 or 60 best players from this abbreviated season. Love him to death. Again, we're having fun. It's entertainment. He would possibly would be my biggest question mark. I've fallen in love with the Pepperdine story. I'm not a romantic, but I'm going with it from what they've created to what they built. Go back to 1997 when they won a national championship led by Jason Gore, then head coach John Guyberger, no pun intended, was quarantined in his hotel because he had chicken pox. John Guyberger was not on the property that year, I believe, at Conway Farms, if my memory serves. And they won a national title with their head coach battling the chicken pox. I'm not making a comparison of what we're going through. The pandemic is certainly no uh, matter to, to poke fun at. But 23 years later, Mylene is buying into the whole Pepperdine wave thing and running to a national title. I, yeah, I, I, it's hard to argue against that, Burko. I mean, that, 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 was, that was poetic there. Now, far from it, but please, I want you to, to, to battle me as we wind yeah, things I, down. You know what? I, I agree with you about Cole Hammer, and I, I just looked up his golf stat ranking, and he finished this season ranked 101st in golf stats. So he wasn't one of the top 100 players according to that ranking system. I know Lance might you know, agree that there's a better one out there. But um, uh, anyways, I think that's just the type of fire that Cole Hammer needs because think about it. What are, what, is, what are all of us, the talking heads, going to be talking about all week? Oh, Cole Hammer, like, hadn't had, a, you know, a great year. I mean, he's going to use that as motivation. Now, I think he could still lose to Sahith, and I think William Mao in that Pearson Cootie match, I mean, that's the one that, that you're going to want to be following uh, if it actually happened. Uh, that, that, in my opinion, is not even close, or, you know, there's not even a – another match to compare that to in terms of talking about match of the of the championship i think i think seussman gets the point there um so i guess the first three matches we got pepperdine with a 2-1 lead but i love travis vick um as i've talked about before he doesn't have the greatest results um as a freshman but i think uh just that talent is just too much and i think we're going to see him break out next year and so it all comes down to that parker cootie match um joey Vrich. uh very talented kid uh he played his first three years at Nevada um was really a huge get for Pepperdine but Parker Cootie uh saved his best for last uh his sophomore year when in Southern Highlands and he actually just recently finished uh third in that Merida 2.0 event too so his game was really uh starting to round into form and you know I I, I don't have many hats um uh, but from a couple uh web segments a couple years ago texas sent this because i had them winning the big 12 so 
I'm going to, I'm going to put, put a little Lee Corso here and, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say, uh, Texas wins it all. Hook 'em horn says Brentley Romine in our supercomputer in our simulation also said the third seeded team from Austin, Texas would take down Pepperdine would pick up a second national title for head coach John Fields and the fourth overall for the Texas Longhorns. Fun to debate. Again, it's a simulation. Don't take it to heart. But we follow the game pretty closely. So we have I'm never going to be invited back to the Southwestern Burko. <laughs> well, you know what? There's a lot of other tournaments out there. So we will manage. Uh, our thanks to Will Knights from the Friday.com, Lance Ringler from Golf Week, and all you tuning in. Really enjoyed it. A lot of fun to sort of get us through this two-week uh, void of no national championships. We are all hopeful we'll come out on the other side of this in a better place slowly but surely, and we'll be back for the fall season. Fingers crossed that it is somewhat what we are used to seeing. And, of course, if any news breaks throughout the course of the next few months of what college golf might look like, Brentley and I will jump on in and do a podcast. But until then, our simulation says hook them horns the 2020 national champs. Thanks so much for watching and listening to College Golf Talk.